So are you doing Sober October? Is that really a thing? Sober October? Yeah. Yeah, just like No Shave November. Why do we come up with this shit? Why can't it just be fucking October? It and was. if you have a drinking problem, don't drink. No matter what <laughs> month it is. <laughs> It was it just. It was just October. <laughs> I wish there was something every month. <laughs> I need my life to be themed. God damn. Okay. Okay. Shit. Sober October. Are you doing it? No. I was just wondering. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not looking for that kind of commitment. Not looking for that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. I'm already going to need more coffee. Oh, good. I need to start chugging mine, but I will. I drink a lot when you're talking, and then I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like a really exciting episode for us, and that is because we finally actually published our podcast. We did. Yeah. And there's people that are actually listening. Which is fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact, like, our friends and, like, spouses who were, like, forcing to listen. Yeah. It's cool to see, like, other people are actually giving us a shot. Can we can we give a little shout out to Kimmy? Because I love her. Fuck yeah. And how about Lexi? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're both fucking awesome. And, like, listened day of, tweeted at us, let us know what's up. How fucking excited were you when, uh... <laughs> fucking Carl. <laughs> Carl's excited, too. Kimmy! <laughs> Kimmy, Carl says hi. <laughs> but anyway, by the time we actually publish this, it'll be a couple weeks later, right? Because yeah. we're, like, two behind, right? Two episodes yeah. behind. Or we have two episodes in the chamber, as we call it in the biz. Ooh, do we? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that, but we do. I didn't know that. Now I'm you do. in the biz. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anyway, so thanks, guys and gals. We really appreciate you. We don't just appreciate you. We appreciate you. Fucking exactly. (laughs) Okay, what is your goddamn? Give me your goddamn, Erin. Well, I will tell you. Okay, good. The other day I came home from work and I was so hungry because I didn't eat anything all day. I didn't have breakfast. I didn't have lunch. And I had Mexican food in the fridge, though. And I was like, I'm going to get that. Like leftover taco shop? Yeah. 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 So you're thinking about it all day long. I like, was thinking about it all day long. What was it? A quesadilla? Uh, no, it was carne asada fries. Okay. So fucking going to crush that. Yeah. I Got was it. about it. And I get home and the baby's asleep. And so the husband's there and he's like, sup? And I was like, sup? And he's like, I'll heat up your Mexican food for you. And I Ew. was like, first of all, you're gross. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. No. You have to heat it up. That's no. disgusting. Don't, it, be don't reheat meat. It, and the microwave weirds me out. Just eat it cold. It's no. better. No. And, and fries? Yeah, I Get want it to be hot me. and just like mush in my mouth. Ugh, there's like guacamole on there. Mm-hmm. It turns mm. black. It looks horrific. I can get behind <laughs> eating the black guacamole a day later. I'm cool with that. Yeah. 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 Well, it's not at any rate. reheated. Okay. Well, you're gross. Anyway, <laughs> he was like, I'll heat it up for you. And I was like, thanks. This is why I married you. You are my dream come true. My but prince. My prince. My flame. My muse. <laughs> but also do it quickly because I was getting hangry as fuck. Oh, no. And so he's like, no problem. So then he also opened a Corona, cut a lime, and was oh, like, I got shit. this going for you. Yeah. Somebody wanted something. Right? Exactly. So then he is balancing my beer, and he got himself a glass of water, selfish and he had my plate on top of the glass of water 
I, yeah, I know where this is going. And my plate was piled really high because I didn't eat a lot of my carne asada fries. Oh, no. He was walking out of the kitchen and it just, quote, slipped off yep. of the glass. Yep. Landed fucking carne asada down because that's the laws of gravity. It is. <laughs> and I was, I legitimately almost cried. Oh, no. It was so mad oh god and he was like i can salvage it and i was yeah, like just pick it up and throw it back on there really fast yeah so i just kind of buried my face in the couch because i was like all cuddled in with the new joe rogan special and just i was ugh, like this I is my moment ready it yeah. was minutes away yeah minutes away from the best time of my life yeah and then i hear like <laughs> oh shit <laughs> and i was like are you fucking kidding me right oh, now oh man so he's like, I can salvage it. And I was like, are you, okay, whatever, like salvage it then. And then, I don't know, like four seconds goes by and he's like, I can't salvage this. Oh no. Yeah. I like legitimately looked at him with tears in my eyes and was like, I'm going to cry right now. I'm so hungry and this is all I wanted and like freaking out. And then he's like, I'll go get you taco shop. And I was like, thanks. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. What's yours? Okay. So mine is, I have these reoccurring dreams mm-hmm. and they happen more often than I like to admit, but... I had, like, two of them this week, and it's fucking me up. And I think a lot of it has to do with, like, stress of life and work and everything. And then this podcast, I'm, like, Googling dark-ass shit all the time. Oh, God. So it's, like, in my head. I have a very overactive imagination. (laughs) But this reoccurring dream, what happens is I'll be, like, you know, doing my dream, doing whatever, like, random shit is going on in my dream. And then I am in bed trying to go to sleep, and then I'll realize that I'm dreaming. And the reason I realize I'm dreaming is because I get really scared. Like, it's super dark in the room in my dream. And it feels like someone's coming in or something's at the foot of the bed or something like that. And then so I'll realize I'm dreaming. And I'm like, fuck, okay, if I just wake up, I can get out of the scary dream. But I can't wake up. It's like I'm lucid dreaming, but I can't get out of it. And so in my dream, I'll, like, curl up and close my eyes and, like, no, 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 like, just wake up. Like, trying to force my body to, like, physically wake up and it never works and then I can feel the thing like touch my shoulder or touch parts of my body sometimes it's like my back and I think in like real life I'm having like a muscle spasm or something but it'll be like I feel something touching me and it kind of sears me or gives you like the heebie-jeebies like it freaks me out and I start screaming in the dream because I feel like if I scream loud enough I'll wake myself up and then Usually I start screaming in real life because it works. And then I'll wake up to Lee either shaking me because I'm screaming. So he's like, and by the way, Lee is my husband. So (laughs) he'll be shaking me and that's what will wake me up. Or I'm just screaming for so long because he's such a heavy sleeper. I'll just scream for so long that I actually hear myself and then I finally wake up, which is great, right? Like now I'm out of the dream. Jesus. It is seriously the scariest thing ever. I'm laying in bed then in real life, wide awake, and I'm scared. Like as an adult, I feel like I want to run to my parents' room and wake somebody up to be like, just be awake with me. Oh no. Because it is that real and that scary and like it freaks me out. So then I'm always like, okay, like calm down. It's just a dream. Your brain is crazy. Everything's fine. And then I'll start to, like, relax and go back to sleep. And I, like, jerk myself awake because I'm like, fuck that. If I go right back to sleep, my brain is going to go right back into that dream because that's what happens. And so I try to keep myself awake for a while. And then I think this just happened last night or the night before last. I can't really remember. But 
I had one of those dreams and I was starting to fall back asleep and I could feel it and I went to like jerk myself awake but I couldn't do it. It's like I get I think it's called like sleep paralysis or something. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, I don't know if I have it. I haven't been diagnosed with it but I know I'm sleeping. I know I'm dreaming and I could feel you know how when you're about to fall asleep and it feels like you're falling and you jerk yourself awake? Mm-hmm. I felt that, but I felt myself like falling deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and I felt heavier and heavier and I just wanted to be awake and I got scared because I couldn't wake myself up. Oh my God, that's yeah, terrifying. It was. And then finally I jerked awake and then I was like sweating and like breathing all heavy and I'm like, I am so tired, but I don't want to sleep. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Yeah, that sounds <laughs> God exhausting. Damn. <laughs> It is. Okay, so I go first this time? Yes, you do. All right. Are you all ready? I'm buckled in for a journey. (laughs) God. Come with me on a journey. I will. Okay, so my case is about the Canadian serial killer slash rapist known as the vampire rapist. Oh, first of all. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I know that we've been doing this a lot lately. (laughs) People need to know that we are like, borderline obsessed with werewolves and vampires <laughs> mainly vampires but werewolves get lumped in with vampires for some reason yeah they do so we've been obsessed with vampires for quite some time quite some time which is why we kind of gravitate towards these and Aaron, you've been slaying it with them and i happened upon <laughs> this one and i was like i have to return the favor it's true i love it okay so the vampire rapist he was active wait first of all oh yes a vampire couldn't rape me Okay. <laughs> that is not what I expected you to say at all. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Couldn't he just compel people? It's not rape. That's true. But, I mean, it depends on what universe you're living in, like, determines oh, like, what the vampire actually has, like, what capabilities. Laws. Yeah, vampire laws. All right, go on. Okay. So the vampire rapist was active in 1969 through 1971. So this is like, you know, 50-something years ago. Yeah. I'm not doing hard math, but, you know, (laughs) it's loose math. (laughs) I'm not into that hard shit. (laughs) You don't want to get into that hard shit. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, one more thing. Someone told me, you guys don't sound smart on this podcast. (laughs) That's not the point of this. No, which is funny because we're actually very intelligent human beings. We both went to college and we're good at stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's like fucking late for us. It's late and I, well, if they were listening to the third episode, I was hammered. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. So is that really a good sample? No. No, and you know what? Fuck it. If people think we're dumb, I'm cool with it. Okay, so the vampire rapist active 1969 through 1971, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the victims. Mm -hmm. So let's get started. By the way, you should know that this happened in Montreal, Canada. You did say Canada earlier, and my first thought was, I thought Canadians were so polite. This one was rude as shit. (laughs) rape is generally one of the ruder things you could do to a person (laughs) okay victim number one her name was shirley audette and she lived in montreal canada and she was a girl (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh she was a lady who lived in an apartment complex and she had a boyfriend who worked late nights so at night he would be gone at work and she would call him they would call each other regularly Mm mm-hmm So um, she calls her boyfriend, who's at work at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they have a chat. And she she mentions that she had been talking to 
some guy around the apartment complex, like had befriended some guy around the apartment complex, and he was really nice, and she kind of, she didn't say this exactly, but the gist I get from this conversation was that she liked that she found a friend around there because she's scared to be home alone at night. And Ugh. so so she felt, like, safe to know that somebody was close that she could, like, call on if she were scared. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's 3 o'clock in the morning. And then at 5 o'clock in the morning, he calls her back because I guess this is something that they do regularly is call each other in the middle of the night, which I would just like to state that would not be cool with me if I didn't have a night job. No. If I worked during the day and Brandon tried to call me at night from his night job, I'd be like, you can go straight to F. Yeah. I guess this is like the late 60s, though. So maybe she didn't have a job? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so he calls her at 5. She doesn't answer. And he thinks that's kind of weird. And then so when he gets off, he goes and checks on her. It's kind of weird that she didn't answer at 5 in the morning. Like, there's no way she could be sleeping. I know. Well, here's (laughs) what I was thinking of. They didn't, obviously, I'm going to sound like such an idiot, but they didn't have, like, cell phones and stuff. Yeah. So, like, if he called, she had to get out of bed to answer the phone because they didn't have cordless either. It yeah. was a cord. The cord could have been by the bed. Or That's the phone true. Could have been by she the could bed. have had that. But I'm imagining, like, every time the phone rings, you got to be It's like, in the kitchen. Ugh, let me get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's an apartment. They only had one jack. For sure it was in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in apartments before. I know how this works. <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he goes to check on her, and he... I don't know if he had a key or whatever, but he gets in the apartment and she's not there. And he's like, that's so weird. And then I think it goes like all day. And then the next day she's still missing. And there's a maintenance guy, either a maintenance guy or a landscaper. And he's out doing his job and he finds her and she's dead, propped up against the building, the apartment Mm -hmm. building. And she's fully clothed and she has blood coming out of her nose. And it looks like a smile on her face. Oh, that's horrifying. Can you imagine? I'd be like, nope. No, I don't like that at all. I guess if I found anybody, I'd be like, nope. But that, how do you die with a smile on your face? I don't think I would find a body. Because I would see a lady propped up against a wall with clothes on, and I'd be like, she's an alive person, and I would keep walking. Uh, Yeah, because you don't do shit in emergencies. Exactly. Out of sight, out of mind. I'd be like, is she asleep? Let me check her pulse. Let me touch up, all the crime scene evidence. I grew up in the hood. Mind your business. Don't look anybody in the eyes. <laughs> Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't even look at her face to see that she's bleeding. I'd just be like, nope. I mean, I grew up in the hood too, but I was like, fuck it. Hi, my name is Stacy. <laughs> Do you want to be my friend? I was not that person. <laughs> I did not learn my lesson. But now I have a lot of friends. That's true. And I'm, I do because I met you. Yay. This is a really good relationship we have going. It's true. Yeah, and by the way, how can you have a smile if you're, like, sitting up? Or if you're, in any scenario, if you're dead, I feel like it takes muscles to smile, right? I don't know. I imagine, like, the Mona Lisa smile, like a little grin. Oh, that's probably exactly what it is. Like, like she wasn't, like, a shire cat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Glad we worked that one out. Okay, so, like I said, she was fully clothed. They suspected that she had been strangled because she had the blood coming out of her nose, and the Mm -hmm. autopsy confirmed that she had been strangled and also raped. Oh. And another interesting thing was that she had savage bite marks all over her breasts and neck. Oh. Which is where the vampire part comes in. Yeah. Did she have her blood? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes, she okay. had all of her blood. A very important question. I mean, listen. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if she had all of it, but I think it was just like, shit, this person's like biting people. Yeah, Ugh, that's, that's pretty bad. The other thing they find in her autopsy is that there are no, I guess, 
things they don't find. There's no blood or skin or anything underneath her nails to indicate that she struggled. And she had no bruising or anything on her body. Only, like, the bloody nose and the bite marks on her boobs. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, that leads itself to compulsion. <laughs> this is a vampire. <laughs> oh! To fight back. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he glamoured her. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I didn't use that word. We don't have to say any of this. No, it's alright. We podcast now. Oh, People God. need to know. People need to know how weird we are. Exactly. Our friends they, don't. They already know. Our friends know we're fucking weird. I mean, they know, but they don't actually know. They don't know the details. Yeah, we're kind of like putting ourselves out there for this. We really are. Yeah. That's awful. Whatever. Proceed. So Shirley's boyfriend was obviously a suspect. Yeah. In the case. But he was at work. But he was at work, so he had the perfect alibi. But I guess there's still that like open window of time, right? Where he's like, she wasn't in her apartment. And then a day later, I think it was a day later, sometime later, she's found behind the apartment. So, Uh like, did he have that alibi for that space of time? Mm. I don't know. Okay, so, anyway, they don't, like, hold him on suspicion or anything like that. It's just they don't have any leads. Yeah, he's just a suspect because he's a boyfriend. Exactly. Okay, enter victim number two, which is not exactly the nicest way to say that, but... Mm -hmm. Stage left. So, victim number two, Mariel Archambault. So, on... November 23rd, Mariel was a clerk at a jewelry store. She was really good friends with all of her coworkers, and she kept telling them that, like, hey, I met this handsome new boyfriend mm. or guy, and his name is Bill, and we're going to go on a date. Vampire Bill? God damn, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> okay, so she's going to go on a date later with Vampire Bill. She was super happy and, like, super head over heels about the guy and really excited to go on this date. Well, the next morning, she doesn't show up for work. Mm. And so her coworkers are like, mm, fucking suspicious because she's supposed to go out with this guy. Oh, I forgot to mention also, he picked her up from work right after work. But so did the people see him? They saw him, but they wouldn't, he wouldn't go inside to like, mm. like into her place of work. He just like stayed outside. So they got like a glimpse of him. Okay. And then. What about um, his car or anything like that? great question oh thank you yeah yes see we are smart (laughs) i'll answer it later so okay okay so the next morning she doesn't show up for work and her coworkers are like "Mm, red flag because she just went on this date with this guy Mm -hmm. the coworkers go to her apartment and they get the landlady (laughs) or the landress (laughs) Uh to unlock the apartment when they open the apartment everything was really tidy and everything but mariel was propped on the couch and she was dead and she was naked, and she had her pantyhose had been ripped off, and they were wrapped around her neck. Ugh. And so had her bra. Her bra had been ripped off also. So she obviously died from strangulation. Uh-huh. She'd been raped, and her breasts and neck and everything had been, like, savagely bitten at again. Ugh. Had been, like, mutilated by teeth marks. Ugh. That's awful. Fucking terrible. And she'd been, like, propped up on the couch almost like with care like oh let me make her comfortable not like posed in like a sexy dero- way or something. yeah a derogatory way or anything it was just like oh let's make her comfortable oh that's so weird uh yeah fucking really weird super rude <laughs> anyway the investigators come in and they go through her house everything was like really clean and tidy and in place so it didn't look like there was a struggle or anything and the only thing they really found was in her dresser there was like a crumpled up picture of a man and so they showed everybody, like, hey, is this fucking Vampire Bill? And everybody was like, that's him. <gasps> and so 
the investigators are super excited because now they have a face. Like, yeah. oh, let's find this man. And they ask around, and they cannot put, like, a person to the face at all. Um, I'm a little bit yeah. perturbed. Yeah, let's hear it. By the fact that this vampire showed up on a camera. Sorry. Zing. Go ahead. Ha! <laughs> Everybody knows vampires can't take pictures. Duh. Would they see him in a mirror? Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so the next victim was on January 16th in 1970. Her name was Jean Way, and she had a boyfriend. She'd been dating this boyfriend for like a month, and they had plans to go on a date this particular day. So Jean's boyfriend comes and knocks on her apartment door and she doesn't answer so he thinks like oh she's just not ready yet and I guess he had come early to the date so he wasn't that alarmed or anything and he like I don't know went to a bar and had a drink or went and did something he left and then he comes back at the time that he's supposed to to go on this date and she's still not answering and so he tries the door and it's unlocked so he walks inside and gets his DNA everywhere gets his DNA everywhere but it's the 60s remember DNA isn't that like you know pertinent they're not worried about that okay everything is like in place like nothing looks crazy or anything and then he goes into her room and finds her naked on the bed with her robe belt wrapped around her neck Mm -hmm. and she was still warm to the touch oh no yeah (gasps) i wonder if when he knocked the guy was there guess what oh no guess what what get ready so she also had been just for the record since i was talking about like the state of her body that was found in uh she had she had bite marks all over her neck and all over her breast also Mm -hmm. but one of the bite marks was so bad it like almost bit her nipple completely oh oh god yeah okay so he sees her body and he runs out the door and he goes to the police station which i guess is like pretty close down the street or whatever okay i was gonna say like a phone wouldn't be closer but that's fine. i you know i don't know yeah i guess not he i mean are you really gonna be thinking that clearly either like i'd be like let me get the fuck out of this house Oh, i would get the fuck out of there for sure and probably try and run far far away but yeah maybe that's what he's doing and then he was like oh police station <laughs> I know what I should do. So he goes to the police station. The police come. And when they walk into the apartment, she's covered with a fucking sheet. (gasps) So like probably when he knocked the first time, he was in there hurting her. And then when he finally came back and just walked in, the door was unlocked. He just walks in. And the murderer was in the apartment with him. Oh my God. And she was still warm. So it like just happened. How fucked up is that? <gasps> what if he was, like, behind the door? No! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't feel good. Like, I feel like there's someone behind me. They're not. There's a mirror. You can see. I know. I can, but I don't like it. <laughs> that is, like, my biggest fear. Fuck that shit. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. Right? Ugh. Okay, so in her autopsy, obviously they find that she died from strangulation because, I mean, the rope rope was around her neck. Mm -hmm. But they also found, they looked under her nails and found a couple fibers (gasps) indicating that she had struggled and, like, fought back. But everything else in the apartment was, like, fine. There's no, like, drugs in their system or anything? Like, tranquilizers? I haven't read anything about that, no. Which is so weird, right? Like, that's a really good point. Yeah, why would you not fight back? At least, like, even unwillingly, you would, like... If you were conscious, you would grab for the rope at your neck or grab for something. Yeah, that's a really good point. Or, like, what if... Do you, like, hit Well, let's go over these out? theories at the end, okay? okay? Okay. Because I have some things I want to say, but I don't want to give it away yet. Okay. Okay, so the fourth and final victim 
Her name was Elizabeth Ann Porches. And this is now in Calgary, Alberta, and it's May 18th, 1971. So it's like over a year later. So he takes a year hiatus, and he's like, I'm going to move from Montreal to Calgary. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure it's because he murdered three girls, and he was like, I think I should skip town. I think they have my picture. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what's a bad idea? I'm going to go. To keep living here. Yeah. So Elizabeth was a 33-year-old school teacher. And she had met a man named Bill. Bum, 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 Bill. (laughs) Clever. (laughs) And she had, her and Bill had planned to go on a date. And this date was really important to her, so much so that she talked to her friends about it. And they, like, went shopping for an outfit. Oh. Yeah. To die in. (laughs) Unfortunately. Spoiler alert. So, the date comes around. She's going to go on this date. She's super excited. The next day, surprise, surprise, she doesn't show up for work. I guess it was like on a Monday or on a Sunday her date was. And then Monday for school, she didn't show up for work. So her coworkers are like, we should go check on her. And they call the like, I don't know, maintenance man or the manager of her apartments. And somebody who worked at the apartments has a master key, goes into her apartment, opens the door. The apartment is a disaster. Like shit everywhere. There was a struggle and Elizabeth was laying on the ground. Her dress had been, like, ripped off of her. And so buttons, like, ripped buttons were around her. Mm-hmm. And she was laid kind of in a spread eagle position. But more like she had just been raped. And then somebody left her. Like, how you they would... They didn't take care to pose her or anything yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like, this one didn't get posed. And it wasn't like he, like, left her spread eagle to be like, mm, vulgar. It was like... I mean, I guess nobody really knows that, but from what I read, it was more like he, you know, just was like, bye, and didn't do anything with I her. I wonder if he got interrupted. Maybe. Who knows? He does. Asshole. Uh, anyway. I have so many questions, but okay. I'm sure you'll get to them. Okay. So she was laying in the doorway of her apartment, or like, not, like, in the living room. I'm ima- Every time I imagine these stories with apartments, I think of the one apartment that I lived in. Mm-hmm. Actually, I lived in more than one. But I think of, like, my first apartment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you would, like, it was so small. If you open the door, you'd hit the body. Yeah. But anyway, that's not important. It's probably that's, right there somewhere in the front room. Like, neither here nor there. She was, a, yeah, basically she was in the front room splayed like this. Her breast and neck obviously had bite marks. And one of her breasts had been bitten through from top to bottom. <gasps> yeah. I don't know how. First of all, it's a lot of jaw strength. I don't like it. I don't like it. It is a lot of jaw strength. Maybe he was eating his now and laters. <laughs> like Armin should have done. Ugh. Okay, so... I hope they were dead when that happened. That's all I can hope, too. I heard somewhere that they weren't. I don't know how they would know, other than, like, if it's bleeding, then likely they are dead. It's, because that's how they know. Yeah. yeah. But like you said, like, you, they'd have to be sedated then. Because you would struggle with that. Oh, I would struggle the fuck out of that. And her apartment was a mess. And I guess it looked like somebody had cleaned something up i don't know what that means like blood i don't know yeah he's like let me do the dishes real quick (laughs) well i don't want to leave a mess (laughs) yeah that'd be rude uh so shit man that's so fucked up (laughs) okay obviously her coworkers are like hey guess what she was going on this date with this guy named bill yeah and we actually saw her with him and they were in a car and it was a blue Mercedes, and uh-huh. it had 
it had like I don't know if it was a decal because Wikipedia says decal but I don't you know when you read something on Wikipedia and then you see something co- contradictory you're like for sure it's the other thing so it was either a decal or a uh what am I thinking of like a figurine in the back of the car oh okay. that was in the shape of a bull or a horse or some sort of animal Okay. And it was enough to identify, like, well, first of all, a, yeah. blue, a blue Mercedes. But she was seen in a blue Mercedes with a good-looking guy with, like, long sideburns. Gross. Yeah, and it was the day that they were going on the date that she was seen. It was, like, at a stoplight or something. Ugh. Okay. And so the police department are like, hey, yo, fellow police people, keep an eye out for this kind of car. Uh-huh. Well, the next day, they spot the car, and it's really close to the crime scene. Oh, my God. And so they're like, we'll wait for the guy to come out. Of the car? Or, like, the place that he is? Yeah, like, to go get his car, to get into his car. Uh Uh-huh. And so they wait, and out walks... Oh, my God. Wayne Clifford Bowden. Who? Wayne Clifford Bowden. Wayne? Wayne. That's not Bill at all. No, it's not Bill. He's fucking lying about his goddamn name. He wish he were Bill. Bill. What's your name? Bill. Bill? <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. God. Okay, so here comes Wayne. He was a 23-year-old. Child. According to the math, he's 23. I'm like, how the fuck do you have a Mercedes if you're 23? It's mom's. Well, maybe. And he was a former fashion model and also a salesman. So I'm assuming the fashion part didn't work out. But he was, like, this good-looking, sharp-dressed man who had fucking money, evidently. and just had a kink at biting tits. (laughs) I guess. And so the police are like, yo, you're coming with us. Uh Uh-huh. And he tells the police, like, yeah, I I moved here from Montreal about a year ago, and I was dating Elizabeth, and I did see her the night she died, so, like, two nights ago. But she was fine when I left her. Oh, yeah. Okay, first of all... You'll just place yourself at the scene of the crime and all the other ones? Yeah, I mean, for a sharp-dressed man. You're not very sharp. Oh, got him. Zing! (laughs) Okay, so the Calgary police were like... Are they mounted? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what's that Mercedes? 700 horsepower? I have one. One. A single. (laughs) Okay, so the Calgary police had a copy of the photograph from Mariel's Mm -hmm. apartment. And... They were like, let's look at it. Let's look at the photograph. We'll, we'll compare. compare. To Wayne. Uh-huh. And they looked very similar, but it wasn't him. It turned out to be like Mariel's good friend or something. Oh. Yeah. So this and whole the friend time they were just like, whoa, dude, sorry, that was me. <laughs> well, I, I had read somewhere that the friend was deceased. Oh. Which then why'd she crumple it up? What if they're on a date and, oh. and then he like sees this picture yeah. and then gets like thrown yeah. into a rage because it's a picture of another dude? Maybe. Like, maybe he's been on normal dates, and just maybe these dates where something ragey happened. Yeah, he got, like, jealous. Yeah. And then he went into her bedroom and put it in her dresser drawer. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, maybe. Listen, I didn't say it was foolproof. Listen, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not saying I know. (laughs) I'm not saying he did it. I'm not saying he didn't do it. I'm just saying there's a crumpled piece of paper in her dresser drawer. (laughs) And they were just on a date. (laughs) Okay, so police hold Wayne on suspicion for the murder of Elizabeth. The police contact a local orthodontist, and they're like, hey, I think we got the dude that's been making all these bite marks. We need impressions. Yeah, and the orthodontist is like, I've never once compared teeth marks before, because it, like, had never been done in Canada, like, for any investigation purposes. Oh. But it had been in, like, the UK and stuff, so they... Um, I don't imagine it'd be that hard. Like, you take a cast of his teeth, and then you take the body, and then you just kind of put it towards it, like, yeah. 
I think it would be easy if you have like super jacked up unique teeth but if your teeth are just like oh yeah not that I mean I don't know what his teeth were like which reminds me of the book Red Dragon it was one of the uh, it was one of the (laughs) it's not a vampire book (laughs) damn (laughs) it was a murder book and I believe it was based on a real case but I don't actually know that that's probably not true but the guy had like a cleft palate lip yeah and he was all like his teeth are all fucked up and he would bite people because <gasps> see yeah because of that and then that was kind of how they caught him and he would eat like their food in their fridge and so he like took a bite out of a block of cheese and they're like he's got fucked up teeth uh weird yeah super weird but <laughs> i want cheese <laughs> i don't like just cheese by itself so it like really really creeps me out and oh. so i think a murderer would do that brandon i love cheese i could weird. eat a whole fucking block of cheese that's so gross to me Anyway, we don't need to talk about this. We talk about cheese too much. (laughs) It's a staple in my life. Okay. So they contact the local orthodontist. He had to get advice from, like, investigators in the UK because he's never done this before. So he, like, learns how to fucking identify teeth marks. Uh And he goes and takes a cast of Wayne's teeth, which, why would you agree to that? He was just like, yeah, okay. I mean... You know. Because you're not mentally all there. So you're like, I'll get away with this. Yeah, I'm so great. I can get away with fucking anything. Or you're just but over I mean, it. You're yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Figure yeah. it out. Yeah, and as soon as you say no, they're like, for sure it's his mouth. Yeah. We'll get a subpoena. How do you... You get a warrant for his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that local orthodontist, he identifies 29 points of similarity between Wayne's teeth and the bite marks on Elizabeth's body. Mm-hmm. So it's like case fucking close because 29 points is a lot of points evidently i was gonna say how many points total how many teeth do we have I is that all of them <laughs> i don't really know and i don't feel like counting them yeah so also another thing they search his apartment and find elizabeth's button from her dress what yeah and he would like he kept it as a trophy and, and would like hold it and remember the times that he had with her aka the rape yeah and murder yeah how fucked up is that that's pretty messed up why would you okay here's another thing i'm not a murderer so i'll never understand them but why would you ever admit to anybody that you ever did that not the murder alone like that whatever but like that and also i held her button and fondled it like why would you say that um i think that a lot of those kind of confessions come from the psychiatrists afterward when they talk to them are they allowed to like disclose that i feel like that's like patient doctor confidentiality Probably. I mean, but it's the 60s and 70s, so who knows? <laughs> they don't care. But also, like, if you're deciding whether or not they're sane enough to stay on trial, stuff that they say might be used against them or yeah. something. Maybe. I, I don't, don't actually know that at I all. I don't either. I like it, though, so let's go with it. Right. It's true. The evidence of the bite marks and the button was strong enough for a jury to find Wayne guilty of okay. the murder of Elizabeth. Good. So he gets sentenced to life. Uh-huh. Oh, you think that's the end, but it's not. Nope, I got one more page. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sprinkled in here. There's a lot of these. <laughs> yeah. Wayne was the first murderer in North America to be convicted based on Oden... Od- you can do it. Odenology. <laughs> Odenthology. <laughs> I wrote it too, and I was like, I got this. I'll you're be gonna, able to say that when the time comes. You're going to do the good one that I get. Odenthology. Wayne was the first murderer in North America to be convicted on odontology evidence, a.k.a. dentistry, a.k.a. your mouth and your teeth. In North America. Wow. So this orthodontist was like, you see that guy over there? (laughs) That's pretty cool for him. Yeah, I casted his fucking teeth and I was like, he did it. And now he's the expert in North America because he's the only one. Yeah. Or he was at the time. 
go orthodontist. Okay. Wayne returned to Montreal to face murder charges there for the three victims as well. And he basically confesses to all the murders. Like, yeah, I did that shit. And he gets three additional life terms. So he's going to be in prison forever, right? Good. He also recants those confessions later and says they were coerced, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure they were. But also, you fucking did it. Yeah. So whatever. So he's in prison for the rest of his life. But, fun little thing happened in 1977. Mm-hmm. Wayne was granted a day trip. Get the fuck out of here. It's Canada, so they're nice. I wanted to get back to this where you're like, I thought they were too nice. Oh, my they're God. They're fucking really nice if you get day trips and you're a prisoner. Well, was he shackled? No. Oh, my God. Did he escape? Because. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Actually, I do. God damn um, it. He escapes the guards. Jesus Christ. And he had somehow procured an American Express credit card. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't found for 36 hours. And when they found him, he was at a hotel in downtown Montreal. First of all, he committed three of the murders in Montreal. Uh-huh. And then they let him on a day trip in Montreal. What was he doing for this day trip? Was it like, oh, a picnic by the fucking I don't fountain? know. They just, like, let him outside? I fucking don't know. But anyway, so they find him in a downtown Montre- Montreal hotel and he's having lunch on his credit card with a woman. Oh, my God. He's, like, having lunch with a woman. He's, like, on a fucking date. Oh, my God. How did he find... First of all, how did he find a chick so quick? Well, what it, I he said he's attractive. Yeah, that's true. And then second of all, that lady almost fucking died because they, like, interrupted the lunch and was like, no, no, no. He's going to bite your tits us. off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Careful. You don't want none of that. No, no, no. You don't. Anyway, so, like, the guards got in a lot of trouble for letting them escape. (laughs) (laughs) That whole thing that they weren't supposed to do. Yeah, and American Express opened an internal investigation because they were like, how the fuck did somebody serving a life sentence in prison get a credit card from us? But, like, now they send you so many fucking flyers in the mail. I'm sure they send them to prison, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so then March 27th, 2006, Wayne died of skin cancer. Skin cancer? Yeah. Hmm. in like a prison hospital somewhere he was sick <laughs> was for, like... he real pale <laughs> he couldn't go in the sun oh i was like well, what are you getting he's at? a vampire oh my god it just all full circle you're really good with a vampire like connection oh it's all i think about all I day was, i was like what is she talking about <laughs> anyway so that's my story about the vampire rapist wow that was quite oh, wait. interesting one more little tidbit i always do this because i remember it later but he admits that like yeah i did this because i got off on it sexually like if i bit them and drank their blood i got off on it Ugh, gross yeah what about them not fighting back and stuff did he ever address that i didn't find anything about that actually and this is a good time to say it was hard to find like good information Mm -hmm. so i wanted to give a shout out i glazed over the details of this case and i just hit the highlights Mm -hmm. but there's a podcast called dark poutine and they go in detail so i highly suggest looking into it if you're interested and you want to know like more granular details i think it was episode 17 all right that they did so go check it out go send them some love because that's where i got most of like the good stuff it was really hard to find any kind of detail Hmm. so back to your question of like if they were drugged or anything i could i didn't find anything like that anywhere Mm. and i didn't hear that they mentioned it but that is interesting. Yeah, super interesting. I don't like it. Okay, hit me with your story. I will hit you with my story. Give it to me. 
Mine's not about a vampire or a werewolf this time. I'm sure listeners are happy for that. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them, maybe. Mine is about the Muswell Hill murderer, a.k.a. the kindly killer, a.k.a. the British Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, those were listed in perfect order. (laughs) Like, what? What? Oh, a little more intriguing. His name is Dennis Nilsson. Oh, shit. This is going to be good. Oh, it's... I'm excited. It's interesting. Okay, let's hear it. All right. So, he was a Scottish serial killer and necrophile. Oi! Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. No. Whose murder spree lasted between 1978 and 1983. Oh, okay. In London, England. What a time to be alive, though, 70s, huh? Tell me about it, right? Yeah. Okay, so a little bit about his background. He was born November 23rd, 1945 in, I don't really know how to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's Frazenborough, Scotland. Hmm, Fraggle Rock. (laughs) Yes. Uh, He had a Scottish mom, Norwegian dad, and they lived with his maternal grandparents. He was the middle child to a younger sister and older brother. The dad apparently was an alcoholic, and so his mom and dad divorced when he was four. Uh huh. Dennis was really close with his maternal grandpa. They would go on really long walks and picnics down to the harbor, and those are some of his fondest memories. His grandpa was a fisherman, and on October 31st, 1951, he died of a heart attack while out at sea oh yeah that doesn't sound fun no and so he his body was brought back and everything the most vivid childhood memory he has is his mom asking if he'd like to see his grandpa like his grandpa's dead body oh and he said yes his mom took him to the open coffin to see him and told dennis that his grandfather was sleeping how old was he he was six okay that's pretty young yeah In the years following, Dennis became more quiet and reserved. He spent a lot of time at the harbor alone watching the boats. Aw. Yeah, kind of sad. Yeah. He rejected any affection from his family, but was jealous of attention shown to his siblings. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, odd. So one time when he was alone at the harbor, he was about 10 years old. He became submerged and pulled out to sea. (gasps) What? Yeah, like a rip current, I guess. He almost Uh, drowned. He uh, was screaming and gasping for, quote, air that wasn't there. Uh, He believed his grandfather was about to come and rescue him, and so he got, like, a sense of peace and tranquility. uh, He was saved by another kid, though. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Lucky. Pretty traumatic. I've heard that, though, for people who have almost died by drowning is, like, it's, like, super, super dramatic and, like, you can't breathe and you just try to breathe in water. It, like air and then you become super calm really like, at peace with the idea that you're about to die oh god yeah. that sounds awful i know well shortly after the mom and three kids moved to a flat the mom remarried and they had four more kids in as many years oh my gosh that's yeah so many kids so now what he's seven yeah he's one of seven wow that's a lot of work <laughs> fucking right jeez so around the age of 10 he realized he was gay And he molested, a.k.a. it says fondled in everything. I don't know. He fondled his sister. (gasps) No! Yeah. Don't do that. Because she's gay. She looked similar to boys that he was attracted to. And so he was like, oh, I'll just check this out, right? Oh, my God. So he fondled his sister, and then he fondled his brother while he was sleeping. No! Yuck! The brother woke up, though, and realized that 
Dennis was doing that and was gay, and so he made fun of him incessantly about it. Uh, why wouldn't you be, like, really upset about the fact that he was touching you instead of, like, making fun of him about it? I don't know. It was the 70s. He probably didn't know how to deal with it, so he just made fun of him. Like, yeah. ah, you're gay. Yeah. God. I'm sure that helped this serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking right. So he said he had been fondled by an older boy and didn't hate it. Oh. Maybe didn't that's what it. spurred these I mean, fondlings. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't all bad. God, it's terrible. He decided to join the Army Cadet Forces at age 14. So it's kind of like the JROTC. Yeah. You know, whatever yeah, those yeah. are. It was a way to escape his rural origins. Yeah. And he did very well in school, and he wanted to be a chef. So he enlisted in the Army when he finished school. He excelled in his Army duties. It was the happiest time of his life. Oh, that is wow. a quote. Wow. He bathed alone to hide his homosexuality for fear of getting an erection. He drank a bunch during this time, and in one incident, he got very drunk with a German youth and woke up on the floor of his room. Nothing sexual happened between the two, but it fueled his fantasies of having a young man completely <gasps> passive and no. eventually evolved into fantasies of the partner being unconscious or dead. Oh, my God. He would also pretend to be more inebriated than he was in hopes one of his colleagues would make sexual use of his supposedly unconscious body. Oh, my God. Yeah. So his fantasy wasn't just that, like, whoever he... Yeah, it wasn't just to do it, but also to have it done to him. Yeah. While deployed to South Yemen, he was kidnapped by an Arab taxi driver who beat him up and put him in his trunk. Uh, Well... He was in the army, so... (laughs) Shit. Yeah. The driver opened the trunk, and Dennis came out with a jack handle and beat the guy unconscious and stuffed him in the trunk. Oh, God. Switcheroo! Yeah, he pulled the old switcheroo. (laughs) Yeah. This also fueled his sexual fantasies. Uh, how? I don't know, but it happened, and maybe it was like... By just overpowering another person, maybe, or something? Maybe, or like the adrenaline. Yeah. Like, kind of gives you a thrill. So... He has sex for the first time with a prostitute and considers it overrated and depressing. Not what he's looking for, I guess. Yeah. After 11 years, he left the military and moved home to figure out his next career move. But his mom was more concerned with his lack of female companionship and wanted him to marry and start a family. His older brother told his mom that he was gay. And uh-huh. so he never spoke to his brother again, and he only had sporadic written communication with his mom, stepdad, and younger siblings. After oh, so that. he just, like, cut ties. Like, yeah. he was embarrassed or something, maybe? Or? Probably. Yeah. I don't know if it was accepted, either, or if the mom was oh. like, yeah, no. It's probably not the greatest time in the 70s to, like... To come out. Yeah, to come out and say... Yeah. Your sexual preference is anything other than what they consider normal. So he moves to London and becomes a police officer. Okay. And November... I'm sure he didn't abuse his powers in any way. No. Shape or form. No. Police officers, they uphold the law 100%. He took an oath. Exactly. Yeah. So, November 1975, he met a man named David Galachan, or Galakin. Ah, yes. Who was being threatened outside of a pub. He took him home. He discovered that he, too, was gay and living in a hostel. Oh. So, they made plans to move in together. And, like, the next oh, like day... like, roommates? Or, like, as in lovers? Both. Okay. And so, like, the next day, he started looking for uh, 
bigger place. Uh-huh. And so they move in together to a first floor flat with exclusive use of the garden. Ooh, yeah. fancy ass bitches over Moving up here. in this world. This flat was on Melrose Avenue. That's pertinent later. Okay. They lived together for a year before they began bringing home casual sexual partners because they were also, like, banging during that time. I'm sure. But they were falling out of interest with each other, so they started bringing home other yeah. casual sexual interests. Got it. And eventually David left. Ooh, he got... He got the apartment in the breakup. Yeah, he did. Sweet deal. And the garden. Yeah, and the garden (laughs) on Melrose. Yes. But that kind of made him spiral into more drinking, and he really dove into his work and was spending a lot of time doing that. Okay. So the first victim is 14-year-old Stephen Holmes on December 30th, 1978. Oh, my God, 14. Well, he encountered him at a pub where the minor was unsuccessfully attempting to buy alcohol. Uh Uh-huh. He invited him home to drink. He later states that he thought the boy was 17. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know the drinking age there, but... Maybe that's Maybe that was the only thing he was worried about. Like, oh, I thought he was 17. Yeah. He's going to have worse problems to worry about. You just wait. (laughs) I'm waiting. He woke up in the morning and saw Holmes sleeping and didn't want to wake him in case he left me. That's a quote. shit. Some issues. So he decided that he was going to make him stay with him no matter what. Oh, God. So he strangled him into unconsciousness and then drowned him in a bucket of water. (gasps) No. Masturbated over the body twice. Ah. Ah. Then put it beneath the floorboards. As one does. Why would you put it under the floorboards? That's a terrible idea. I don't know. Oh, my God. It's a bad idea. Okay. So, August 11th, 1979, which is eight months later, he finally disposes of the body. Stop. Oh, I'm sorry. Are what? you thinking about what the body is? Yeah. Why? Eight, For eight months. months. Yeah. That's like, you know, you if you cook chicken the day before <laughs> yesterday and put it in the trash... It smells terrible. Oh, it's bad. Like, you open the door and you're like, holy shit. Why are there flies? Shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Eight months? Yep, eight months. Was there any preparation done to the body? Yes, actually. I'll tell you all about that later. Okay. But eight months later, he disposes of the body in a bonfire in the garden. The community garden? No, it's his exclusive garden. Oh, okay. Exclusive. Okay. Remember? He got exclusive rights to the garden. Yeah. So, October 11th, 1979... He attempts to strangle another boy that he met at a pub. He had lured him back to his house under the promise of sex. The boy's name was Andrew Ho. I promise a sex. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You'd be really good at luring. (laughs) But the boy escaped and called the cops, who went and talked to Dennis, and then the boy decided not to press charges. No! So nothing was done. December 3rd, 1979... So this is, like, almost a full year later uh-huh. from the first murder, anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, he met 23-year-old Canadian student Kenneth Ockenden mm. at a pub. He learned that Kenneth was a tourist and said he'd show him around. Kenneth was like, heck yeah. And so they stopped at uh, Dennis's Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heck yeah, man. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> Super duper. <laughs> so they stopped at Dennis's home for drinks first, where Dennis strangled him with <sighs> headphones oh, while shit. Kenneth was listening to the headphones. Oh my god! Like, listening Wait, to music okay. On them. First of all, if you're gonna come back and we're gonna pre-party, I'm not trying to listen to music on my headphones. It was the '70s. You think he was like, "Oh, this new album just dropped." It's yeah, probably sick. that. 
or he was like it's super duper like listen to my sweet headphones do you think the cord was coiled like those curly ones oh maybe well he recalled quote dragging the youth across the floor with the wire wrapped around his neck as he strangled him oh my god before pouring himself a glass of rum and continuing to listen to music upon the headphones with which he had strangled Kenneth. So the next day, he bought a camera and took suggestive pictures of the corpse. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, my God. Why do people do this? He laid the corpse spread eagle on top of himself as he watched TV for hours. Stop! Why would somebody do that? I don't know, because you're fucked up in the head. Oh, shit. Then he wrapped it in plastic bags and stored it in the floorboards. That's how he does it? He just puts them in plastic bags? Uh Uh-huh. And then... Like, what kind of plastic bags? Glad. (laughs) They have that deodorizer. We are really getting sponsorship from Glad now. (laughs) Like, was it a bunch of little sandwich bags? Fabrice bags. Yeah. Or were they... Sandwich bags over the the hands. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, on four occasions within two weeks, he brought the body out of the floorboards and posed it on the armchair alongside himself as he watched TV and drank and talked to it. No, 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 no. This is some Norman Bates shit. It really is, yeah. Oh, my God. So then, May 17th, 1980, he met 16-year-old Martin Duffy. Martin Duffy. Yes. Okay. This kid had gone to London, like, he ran away without his parents knowing, and Uh Dennis was like, hey, man, you look... You look kind of sad and tired and hungry. Come yeah, home come, to my house. Come to my lair. Yeah, I'll give you I some food. I have exclusive rights to this garden. Yeah. <laughs> As the kid was like, heck yeah, again. <laughs> I don't know why everyone was so damn willing in the 70s. Oh, man. And then while this kid was asleep, Dennis, he okay. sat on Martin's chest and strangled him. No. Yeah. Then he drowned him in the sink. Oh. He definitely has a system. I will he say does. that. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. this might be a little, thinking a little too much. I feel like drowning in a bucket might be easier than the sink because the sink's up higher, so they might have more leverage to, like, push off. Whereas a bucket, you're, like, throwing them off center. I feel like a bucket might tip over easier. That's true. Like, because ah, you're not shit. holding them up all the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, maybe a bathtub. Maybe just, let's not drown people. Maybe that. Uh, according to Dennis... Martin had the youngest-looking body he had ever seen. Oh, God. Speaking of having a system, he also had a routine where he would bathe the bodies after Uh, he killed them. You could just keep them alive and befriend them. And have, like, a boyfriend? Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Don't be absurd. That's asking an awful lot. (laughs) So he posed the body on chairs in the bed, and he would kiss and compliment it. No. He'd masturbate on it. And... For two days, he stored it in the cupboard. What? Yeah, not under the floorboards for this guy. Well, I mean, the floorboards are taken up. Well, that's true. So two days, he was stored in a cupboard before the body started to bloat. So (gasps) he put it under the floorboards. So then following this, he began to murder with increased frequency. And before the end of 1980, he had murdered five more people. Holy shit. Only one of them was identified. And that was 26-year-old William Sutherland. Did they just find the other bodies and they couldn't connect them to missing people or something? You'll find out. Okay. Kind of. Okay. So he remembers each murder and how long the bodies were kept before dissection. <gasps> Here's he another. He dissects them? Yeah. Were... <sighs> yeah. That's another little tidbit after their... <sighs> we'll talk more about his rituals later, but... Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> as you can imagine, the bodies in the floorboard began to smell. 
Yeah. Yeah. They got insects, maggots, and his apartment was filled with flies. Ew! If it lands, if it lands on the, if it lands on the body, then it lands on you. It touched you. Oh yeah, that body I touched you. Like, Although he was touching the bodies anyway. Yeah, so. I know. It's so he placed deodorants under the floorboards. Oh, and, that'll help. <laughs> shit, sorry. And would spray insecticide twice daily. Two times. Yeah, but oh, the man. flies and the smell remained surprisingly. Uh, yeah, because they're breathing inside the flesh of the dead person underneath your floorboards. Yeah. So he was like, take I gotta get rid of these bodies. I gotta take care of this shit. So then in late 1980, he removed and dissected each body and... Wait, they were there for how long? Uh, about a year. <gasps> well, he oh. kept the first body for eight months. Oh, lordy, So, lordy. I mean, he's just... I was thinking during this whole thing, I wonder if he didn't have a sense of smell. But then he was spraying for, for the yeah, smell. Maybe, out. maybe he had less of a sense he of smell. Cli- Wait, okay. How are people coming into this apartment? Who is coming into this apartment? And not being oh, like, there's yeah. a lot of flies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The people being lured there? Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, I'm going to go ahead and pass. Yeah. Hard pass. It smells like, really bad in here. I wouldn't, there's a lot of bugs. I wouldn't hang out. I don't want to sleep here. No, I don't want to drink. Oh, God. Okay, so he's like, I got to do something with the bodies. Yeah, so he dissects each body and burns them all in a communal bonfire in... His garden. I was going to say his garden. How is his garden exclusive to him, but it's a communal bonfire? Well, communal as in all the six bodies. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was like, we can all share this bonfire, bit, but the garden is his. <laughs> the garden, do not put your basil in here. <laughs> my basil. To disguise the smell, he put a tire on the fire. Yeah. Because tires, like burning rubber, really smells. Yeah. It smells like a skunk. And he said that children watched the fire. Oh. Once it was all burned, he raked through the ashes and to like find any other bits of bone and stuff and he found a skull that was still intact so he smashed it with a rake oh january 4th 1981 this he doesn't remember his name or he didn't know his name i don't know but they don't know who this person was all he was described as was an 18 year old blue-eyed young scott he met him at a pub lured him home to drink you know the usual mo yep his huge yeah he strangled him this time with a tie and oh. put the body under the floorboards. January 12th, 1981, he calls out of work so that he can dissect this body and one more that he had killed a month earlier. Oh my god. I don't mean to be rude, but I just feel like, can you imagine that day that he's like, this is too much. I have too much to do. I need to call out of work. <laughs> do you not have weekends for this? Yeah. <laughs> what do you, sure. Maybe he's really busy on the weekends. Hobby. Lauren and other boys. Well, he's busy spraying for fucking bugs. That's true. So by April 1981, he had killed two more unidentified men. Yeah, he's on a rampage. Racking up the body count. And he's just putting them under his floorboards, huh? Even though he knows this problem is going to come around. Mm -hmm. These ones, he was like knocking out the dissection, though, at least. Like he was keeping them for a while to like pose them and do all that kind of stuff with them. But then he would dissect them like as soon as they started to rot. Oh, okay. So that he'd at least get that part out of the way. You don't want to be a procrastinator with that kind of thing. No, I mean, really, you have to have your priorities in order here. Yeah, exactly. So the final victim at the Melrose address... How many is this by now? Um, a lot? This is a lot. I'm not sure what what number we're at by now, but I think the final count was between like 12 and 15. Jesus, criminy. I don't know how flats work, but like, did he have an <laughs> upstairs neighbor? <laughs> I'm sure. It's or like, like did he share a wall with anyone? Because I feel like other people would also get bugs. You know when oh, there's a, that yeah. one fucked up apartment yep. that has roaches and yeah. then now you have roaches yeah, or fleas cool. or whatever it is? Yeah. 
Or maybe it was like a townhome type thing where it was separated. I feel like we have this problem every time we're like, but wait, why does he have an apartment? How is he murdering with an apartment? It's because we lived in paper fucking thin walled apartments (laughs) where we're like, I think she's getting up to go to the bathroom at three in the morning. Yeah. Is she on a goddamn treadmill up there? (laughs) Are you doing jumping jacks while you watch TV? What the fuck are you doing? Sounds like she's getting water. (laughs) She must be thirsty. Anyway, the final victim at the Melrose address was 23-year-old Malcolm Barlow. He was found slumped outside of Dennis's home. Oh, no. Yeah. And Dennis went over and was like, hey, man, what's going on? And the guy was like, well, I'm on this medication for epilepsy, and it makes my legs really weak. And so... Oh, God. Yeah. And so Dennis was like, you should be, like, in a hospital, man. Come inside. And so he goes into Dennis's apartment. Don't do it, man. Yeah. And Dennis, what do you think he did? I think he strangled him and drowned him or whatever and fucking kept his body under the floorboards and masturbated <laughs> on him and then cut his body up into tiny little pieces and then had a communal bonfire and threw a tire on top of it and then raked through the bones and smushed, smashed the skull. That would be a very good guess. <laughs> However, he called an ambulance and the oh. kid was taken to the hospital. He was like, no, no, no. I can't hurt you. Yeah. Well, I mean, You're he was a police heat. officer, so maybe he was like on oh. duty at the time. So then when Malcolm was released from the hospital, he went back to Dennis's apartment to presumably thank him oh no and so then dennis was like come on in man stop (laughs) it and they started drinking he strangled him is it only when he drinks he gets murderous i don't think so i think it's more of a way to like hey come on have a drink get comfortable sit on this couch i'll be behind you or however i don't know it's speculation but Malcolm fell asleep on the couch so dennis strangled him he stowed him under the sink well like uh, in those cabinets. How big is under your sink? Because I can only fit like 700 bottles of Clorox. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like is too small for a body. If there was nothing under my sink, I could probably fit under there. But you I don't think? know how big this guy was. Yeah. Anyway, mid-1981, the landlord wants to renovate the flat. So he has to move out. And he's pretty, not upset Uh, about this, but he's like, come on, man. But I love this place. Yeah, I have so many dead bodies I have to move. Seriously. That's a lot of work. Yeah, way to give me a chore, buddy. So, first of all, (laughs) not even first of all, just of all. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, this hobby is so laborious. (laughs) It is. I'm exhausted. Like, I can't. This is really bothering me. Yeah. And he's doing them quick. Like, you got to stay on top of those dissections. Yeah. I guess he doesn't really have friends and stuff. So he moves into an attic flat at Cranley Gardens. Terrible idea. You don't have floorboards. He's going to shove them in the crawl space. And that is in Muswell Hill, which is, if you'll recall, his serial killer name was the Muswell Hill Murderer. So before moving, though, he had to dissect the latest body of... Yeah. Gotta get rid of that shit. That's a little incriminating. <laughs> Malcolm. <laughs> it is a little incriminating. And he burned the last five bodies in another bonfire, topped with a tire. Do you think his neighbors were like, God damn, stop burning tires. Yeah. It's bad for the ozone layer. But it's also 1981. So he had already had all the other bodies dissected before this, so he only had to do Malcolm's because, like I said, he was keeping oh, on top of them, yeah, right? Yeah, fucking yeah. plan that shit. Less of a chore. Yeah. So then, since he moved to an attic apartment and he had no access to a garden or floorboards, he didn't assault anyone for two months. Oh, I know a way to curb your craziness. Yeah. Live there forever. A little, well. Okay. (laughs) Two months. (laughs) Okay, two months. 
And then he came up with a plan. Yeah, and then he was like, you know what? Mm, I gotta fix this I gotta this get shit. to some murdering. Okay. March 1982, he met 23-year-old John Howlett. He lured him back to his home to drink and watch a movie. It didn't say what movie. I did wonder. Okay. John fell asleep, and Dennis apparently did try to wake him up, but he couldn't. And so he was like, I guess I'll just strangle him then. This is a sign. Yeah. He attempted to strangle him, and then there was a struggle, because yeah. this guy woke up and was like, the fuck die. you doing? Yeah. And he tried to strangle Dennis back and was, like, <gasps> fighting him back and stuff. Oh! And Dennis actually thought that he might lose. Did he go, like, psych and, like, stop? No. Okay. But he did eventually overpower him and strangled him with a furniture strap. Oh, shit. So then John started to breathe again, but he was still unconscious. Oh, my God. That's crazy. So for the next, like, ten minutes, Dennis was trying to kill him <gasps> unsuccessfully. Oh, my I gosh. I don't know what he was trying. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like he had a process. Yeah. Don't deviate. Exactly. Don't deviate from your plan. So he eventually did go back to fill his bathtub with water and drown him in the tub. That is a lot of work. Yeah. May 1982, mm-hmm. he met 21-year-old Carl Stodder at a pub and lured him home to drink. Naturally. Yep. He let the guy sleep in a sleeping bag. So Carl eventually woke to being strangled with Dennis loudly whispering over him, Stay still. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. This is coming from Dennis's trial. Carl lives. <gasps> Yay, Carl! Of Yay, course, Carl. Carl. Right? Good, good for Carl. So Carl initially thought that the sleeping bag was around his neck and that Dennis was trying to free him from it. Like, oh. that was what his first thought was. And he was going in and out of consciousness. He hears water running and then realizes that he's being submerged in the water. <gasps> he gets his head above the water and screams, No more, please, no more. Oh, my God. And he was submerged again. Dennis takes him out and puts his body on an armchair. Oh, my God. Where his dog, which they specify as a mongrel, starts licking Carl's face, and he realizes that Carl is still alive. Oh, my God. He was like, oh, no, and then, like, starts rubbing his arms and puts a blanket around him and oh my God. revives him. What the fuck? This guy's crazy. I mean, obviously he's crazy. Uh, my first thought was that he gets that, like, instant regret, like, the maybe sexual gratification, and then, you know, like... The buyer's remorse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then he puts him to bed, and for two days he's coming in and out of consciousness. Oh, my gosh. He eventually is, like, conscious, and Dennis tells him that the sleeping bag was wrapped around his neck. He was trying to save him. Oh, my gosh. And then he put him in the water because he was in shock. Uh, did he... I wonder if he bought it. Well, then... He brought him to the train station to, like, all right, bye. And he Later. said, like, hope to see you again someday. Uh, no. Yeah. No, thank you. No, I don't. June 1982, he was promoted to executive officer. Ooh, fancy yeah. pants. Yeah. So, moving on up. Yeah. He met 27-year-old Graham Allen attempting to hail a taxi, and he was like, hey, man, want to hang out? I don't know who's, were they like... like, bull hailing, and they were like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. It's a 90s sitcom meet cute yeah exactly <laughs> i don't think so i think this guy was just like hailing a taxi and this guy and he walks up like hey man you want to grab a bite to eat and this guy's yeah. like hell yeah i, I don't know that just for a gonna fact. go get something because that's taxi. just how it sounded when i read it okay i'm good but, with it i like it but who does that no one no one serial killers <laughs> if i was hailing a taxi and someone was like you want to go grab a bite to eat i'd be like fucking no but that's because we have like the internet now and we're more cautious i don't i don't like it i'm sorry you met me on the street no 
I don't trust you until I've done a background Street check. Streetwalker. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy agrees to go get a meal with Dennis, and they go back to Dennis's house. He strangles him and keeps the body in his tub for three days before Ew. he dissects him on the kitchen floor. Okay, well, I mean, he doesn't have floorboards. Yeah, like, what else are you going to do? Oh, my God, not kill people. Final victim. Here we go. Okay, here we are. January 26, 1983, he meets 20-year-old Stephen St. Clair. He lures him home, strangles him, usual ritual of bathing him. He realized that the guy had bandages on his wrists where he had tried to kill himself. Oh, no. Like, just yeah. recently. He puts the body on the bed, surrounded by three stand-up mirrors, then lays uh, next to it and, like, turns his, its head towards him. Stop it. And, like, kisses it goodnight and Ew. sleeps next to it. Why all the mirrors? This is too much detail. Because he's a creep. Yeah. Then he dissects the body, per use. What the fuck? I'm still hung up on this, like, mirror thing in the bed. Mm. So, a little tidbit why... that I didn't say earlier okay. was back before he had murdered anybody, he had a stand-up mirror that he would position, like, he would lay on the bed naked, spread eagle or whatever, and he would position the mirror so that he could see himself, but not his head. Ugh. And he would, like, touch himself, and that Ugh. could give him the gratification of ah. being the one being touched and also touching somebody. What the? It's creeping me out. Right? That could be where the, like three stand-up mirrors came in. Yeah, why you had the mirrors around her? Yeah. So all the bodies here, this new apartment, he dissected, wrapped in plastic bags, and stored them, since he didn't have floorboards, in a wardrobe, a drawer beneath the tub, and a tea chest. And then the smaller bits of flesh and internal organs and small bones, he flushed them down the toilet. Ah, yes. He would boil the head, hands, and the feet to remove the flesh. The smell alone has to be so bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're keeping bodies in your fucking apartment. Well, that too, but then you're cooking them and making them hot. I don't know if it would smell worse, though, cooking it. It would probably smell all right, like meat. No, 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 but it's like rotten meat. Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably pretty gross. I'm kind of sticking by the theory that he doesn't have a sense of smell. Like, yeah, that's he, the only way we or can get like, around this. Yeah, very little of a sense of smell. Okay. So then February 4th, 1983, he writes a letter to his landlord complaining that the drains were clogged. I wonder why. Because you're shoving body parts down <laughs> on Right? February 8th, so just four days later, a dino rod employee named Michael responded to the call and saw that the drain was packed with a, quote, flesh-like substance and numerous small bones. Oh, my God. And he calls his boss. Why wouldn't you call the police? I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd call my boss. So the boss meets with Dennis and another tenant that live below him. And they're like, hey, man, let's discuss this. Yeah. We found this stuff looks like flesh. And he kind of shows them. Dennis is quoted as saying, it looks to me like someone's been flushing down their Kentucky fried chicken. Ugh. Yeah. Yuck. Fucking gross. Yeah. I want to know the other guy's reaction. Like, did he look at Dennis like, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're not freaked out by this fleshy substance? Yeah. Or anything? Like, I don't know. Feign shock. Yeah. Oh, what is that? It's not from my toilet. (laughs) Yeah. I'm certainly not shitting out bones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And my insides. So then at 7.30 in the morning, because it was already kind of later in that evening that this had happened. Mm -hmm. So then at 7.30 in the morning, they go back to fix the drains, and they're all mysteriously unclogged. (laughs) Hmm. Weird. Yeah, so he was just like, do-do-do, I'm going to do this myself. 
Oh. I don't know. Okay. So they found a couple of bones, and it looked like they were from a hand, so they called the cops. Oh. And they gathered evidence and gathered whatever they could of the fleshy-like substance and stuff like that. Yeah. And one piece of flesh was from, according to, like, a forensic guy, Yeah. was from a neck with a ligature mark on it. Oh, god like damn, that the... is very specific. So then three officers go to Dennis's flat, and they're like, hey man, can we chat about these pipes? Because that was kind of suspicious. Yeah. And he's uh, like, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, sure, come on in. Oh no. So Have they... a drink. We're all listening to some music. They said that there was an overpowering odor of rotting flesh. Uh, dead people? Yeah. Yeah. So then they were like, hey, so we discovered that the stuff, that fleshy substance in the pipe was actually human flesh. And Dennis is quoted as saying, good grief, how awful. <laughs> Golly gee. Yeah, my my. Yeah. And the police officer says, don't mess about, where's the rest of the body? And he replied calmly that it was in a nearby wardrobe. So they arrested him and he confessed everything. Oh my God. And he told them where more body parts were found or could be found yeah. in his apartment, which was like all in his little hidey holes. They asked him what his motive was, and he said, I'm hoping you'll tell me that. Uh, fuck that shit. So he swears that he never had sex with the bodies, but he had... For sure had sex with the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had intercrural sex. I don't really know how to say that. Uh, but what? it's where you... I had to look it up, and it's apparently when you stick your Peter between the thighs. What? And, yeah, you just, okay. like, do their thighs. Okay. But he didn't Whatever. penetrate them. Like, that's really, at this point, so much better. Like, they're dead, right? I know. Semantics. <laughs> yeah. So then his ritual was to bathe and shave the bodies and then apply makeup to their blemishes to make them what he thought was the perfect whatever form, I guess. Fucking creepy. He'd put socks and underwear on them and then would stage the body or drape it over himself and talk to it. And he would do Oy. it. I don't like that part. Yeah, he would do it for as long as the body would keep before it would start to decompose. Ew, 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 ew. My overactive imagination. I'm just thinking of, like, you know when you reach in a bowl of fruit and you grab, like, a peach and it's too ripe and your thumb goes in? Oh. Yep. Oh, that's gross. Yep. That's what I'm thinking of. This is why you can't tell me this shit. Okay. Well, listen, you decided to start this podcast. (laughs) Or (laughs) we. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, uh, don't yell at me, first of all. And second of all, I think it was a collective decision. So then February 11th, 1983, he was officially charged with murder and convicted of six counts of murder and two of attempted murder. He got life in prison, and he wrote a book, and was in a bunch of interviews. Like, he's very open about all this. I'm hoping you'll tell me. Yeah. What a fucking creep. Yeah. He died from a blood clot after surgery complications on May 12th, 2018. <gasps> Holy shit. How old was he? God damn it. It's 1945, okay. 2018. Yeah, we don't have to do the math. Math. That's the story of the kindly killer or the wait why is he the kindly because he was like come have a drink i imagine because yeah he was really good at luring people back to his house so maybe everyone was like he was so nice (laughs) except for the part where he murdered everybody yeah and also the british jeffrey dahmer because yeah he didn't really eat anybody though no he boiled them but he that was more out of a necessity to get rid of the shit right yeah i think it was more because it was all the like demographic that he was going for it was the younger boys yeah and he was like storing body parts all throughout his apartment yeah 
Well, that is awful. Yeah. That is terrifying. Goddamn. Goddamn. (laughs) All right. On that note, should we do our... Goddamn. Yeah. Let's hear the goddamn for this week. Yeah. Who we got? Uh, We got Armon. Armon. By the way, just so you guys know, you should send us your goddamns because right now we're using our friends. (laughs) That's true. This is our friend Armon. Yeah. He's legit. He's pretty cool. If he's listening. (laughs) Better be listening, Armon. Okay. Here we go. Here it is. I said, God damn. Oh, I said, God damn. <laughs> that was a good one. Ow, I hit my face on the mic again. God oh, jeez. It. It's all good. Okay, guys, send us your goddamns, please. Yeah, so we can shout you out and talk about you on the podcast. I should really stop singing <laughs> when I talk. <laughs> and also follow us on Twitter at ISGD Podcast or email us any discrepancies email us what your theories are on like some of the unsolved stuff that we're like talking about on this shit i want to hear what you guys think yeah i want to hear those theories from our listeners that would be awesome yeah because we miss shit all the time we're sitting together and we're like ah ah and yeah. we both get hung up on the same thing so we might miss a detail that you guys hear so I like it email us yeah we want to know that you're listening so please go ahead and rate and review us on itunes so we know how we're doing and the more you rate us the more that you know like itunes will suggest us to other people and shit and so like more people will listen and then we'll be like yay we made a podcast the fuck is that i don't know what i'm standing up now it's a goddamn cat oh my god that's terrifying all right so um yeah rate us on itunes well any app really yeah do that (laughs) oh also if you do that rate us on any app and like send us a screenshot in an email with your mailing address and we'll send you some stickers oh yeah that'll be fun yep and then you guys can put it on your whatever yeah you can put it on your car your phone whatever on yourself yeah on yourself yeah put it on your cat don't put it on your cat oh get so much hair all over it it would get so much hair out of it. You guys are awesome. We love you so much. And until next week, bye. Bye.